Movie Sucktastic is a podcast about bad movies and the people that love them. But it's more than just a podcast. It's an also an online presence. If you want to know more about Movie Sucktastic or want to become a part of Movie Sucktastic, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, at Movie Sucktastic. You can find our blog at boothreviews.blogspot.com. Or if you want to give your own reviews that we might use on the show, you can go to reviews.moviesucktastic.com and check out our, our own little lunch.com community for Movie Sucktastic. Check us out and become a part of the show because the only thing more fun than a bad movie is sharing it. You're listening to Movie Sucktastic. Go fuck yourselves. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. Fucking thing sucks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, now. Oh. Let's not get everyone down. I, I don't know why. I, I put the trailer before the opening. Something just, you never intended. Just, we'll just let this go. I'm worried about you. Are you sleeping? You scared me the last time we talked. You know me. I never sleep. Recently, he sent me this book that he's written. It's violent and it's sad. Then he dedicated it to me. Did you love him? I did something horrible to him. What are we gonna do? It's a question of how serious you are about seeing justice done. careful with it. You might never get it again. It's fun to kill people. We should try it sometime. <laughs>
Nobody gets away with what you did. Well, hello, sir. Who's that talking now? What's, that's what, just, what's going that, on? That is just the feed I have in the background uh, for the show. Silly duck. So the feed is now working, so we are actually live. So I'm going to okay. be posting that to, uh, of course, because I just told everyone that it didn't work, and now it fucking works again. <laughs> oh, fucking Christ. Welcome to the live stream. Oh, my God. We are not... We are figuring something else out. The, the, this, un, unless Livestream truly is the only free uh, uh, streaming service left, uh, then we will do something else. But Or we'll have to keep it, I mean. Oh, fucking Christ. Did I spell our own website right? <laughs> yes. I just feel like a douche <laughs> i just told everyone hey uh, the, don't bother it's not working and now it's like hey everything's working again oh not your fault no it isn't it, it is absolutely live streams fault and of course now there's something about remove delay to the user i, I don't know what any of these warnings are that they're talking about it means don't drink bleach that's what the warning is no i, I think what it means is you i should start drinking bleach <laughs> All the cool kids are doing it. Uh, totally. Right. So, welcome to Movie Sucktastic, which may or may not be a podcast. <laughs> yes, Scott and I had this conversation today. It's just one of those things where it's like, we love the name of our show, but it just, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we should be more known. Ah, who cares? Well, I mean, we are getting, we're actually getting a lot of feedback lately. So I don't know what happened, but something happened. Ah, whatever. Eh. Attempting to reconnect. What local uh -oh. MP3 is still. What is going on? Lost internet connection. <laughs> so th this live feed may or may not be working. I, I really I don't know. Well, we'll ignore it and move on. The and only thing we'll get the show. The only thing I, I will say is whether the live stream is working or not. As long as it's thinking it's working, it is creating a video that is that is uh, recording to the computer. So at the end of the show, I will have a video, hopefully, that yes. I can then post on YouTube. Because um, there's actually a few people that I know that really enjoyed this film. They would probably want to watch this review. Well, it, it'll be available, either video or audio. So... Yeah. Um, once just, again, welcome to Movie Sucktastic. Fuck you, live stream. <laughs> fuck you in the The angry ass. one is Joey. Uh, and for a change, the one that's not angry is Scott. <laughs> it's, it, this and is what it's saying. It's saying local MP4 still recording, lost internet, connect to in lost internet connection, attempting to reconnect. Those are the three warnings over and over and over in that order. It's a lost cause. Just give up on it. Just, just let I'm it gonna, go. I'm going to let it go. I'm gonna let it go. Let it go. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna let it keep doing that. I don't know. Fuck you. And this thing. episode, we're gonna be re reviewing. This is our first episode back since the Oscars. Yes. And we're gonna be reviewing one of the films that was not nominated. 
The only uh, thing that it should have been. The only thing, yeah, the only thing that it was nominated for was Best Supporting Actor for Michael Shannon, which I would have picked. Now, Marshala Ali, who was very good in Moonlight, personally, I don't think there was enough screen time, and I personally didn't think he gave the best performance. I just how much screen time does Michael Michael Shannon get? Uh, more than uh, Marshal Ali. I don't know, not way, that much. Way more. Way more. I would it's say it's supporting I, character. It's supporting it's a, actor. Of course, supporting. they don't have that much screen time. Well, but regardless of screen time, I just I I felt that that the the winner, Marshal Ali, or however you pronounce his name, I f- didn't feel that he gave the best performance out of all of the best because I've seen all the movies for the best supporting. I just didn't think he he gave the best performance. All right, Mister Sour Grapes. What? What um, sour now, grapes? It's just, have we met, have we mentioned the name of the grapes? film? Yes, Nocturnal Animals. Nocturnal Animals. Okay. So we want to talk about the title. Uh, sure. And we can talk about the poster. Um, sure. Now, the, now the, this, Go ahead. I was to say this is a film. This is another film uh, adaptation of a novel. Correct. So uh, called Tony and looking, Susan. So. What are you trying to do? I was just trying to finish the second half of that, which is, so when we look at the title, we'll be looking at the title of the book as well as the title of the film. The Wings Cartier Susan! What? What? What are you yelling about? I don't talk so good. That's what I felt like. Okay. Sorry. All right. (laughs) I don't know, you just gave me this face like I'm trying to interject some stuff. I, I was just trying to get this whole thing out that since it, since it's based on a novel, I didn't know if you were actually going. Well. I didn't know if you were actually going to mention the original title of the it's of okay. the book. I think "Calm Blue Ocean." Calm Blue Ocean. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and a, as you said, uh, it, it, it the title tonight. of the novel is "Tony and Susan." Right, which I think would have made for a shitty movie title. I agree 100%. I think it's a shitty book title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's probably the reason why the book isn't more known. Yeah, now... I- I've never heard of it. Uh, well, and neither. I work in a library system, and I asked a few libraries uh, about it, and only two libraries in my in the, in the system that I work for, and it, which is very vast, only two libraries had a copy of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so it... And maybe more are getting it because of the film, but and even, it's actually been re-released as they do often. It's been re-released with the name of the film instead of the name of the original novel. Right. So you can find it in book form as Tony and Susan or Nocturnal Animals. Right. And and, and if that is the case, if libraries are stocking this book because of the film, um, that I mean that would mean that two libraries have it now, and that means. They, if they stocked it because of the film, that means no libraries probably had it before. <laughs> Which just goes to show just how um, unknown the book actually is. Well, it's not. It's well, it's yeah, it's not a uh, mainstream novel. Not at all. Not at all. Now there was one thing yeah. uh, about the director that I didn't know before uh, this film, because he's made you know a couple of other films. Uh, he was a um, like a fashion consultant, or like he takes um, companies like say Gucci was one of the big ones, where he like rebuilt it from the ground up, 
and he's he a ma- fashion designer. He, well, not a designer. Um, yeah, he's a fashion designer. Is he a designer? Yes, he's an American fashion designer. Oh, okay, I thought he, he has was... his own Tom Ford label uh, launched in two thousand six. Which is it's it's crazy that he's was in the fashion business first and then became a director. Uh, it just not that the two can't you know kind of commingle, but they kind of they don't normally or. I've never heard of it happening that way ever. Um, it, it's just you would think someone like him would—it's fashion first and then everything else second. But I would say he's a—he's a very concise, very articulate, and very well. He manicures his films very well, um, mm-hmm. like the way he cuts them. That was something that I was talking about before you had seen it. I love the way he cut the movie. Um, just the cinematography, the way the movie flowed in and out of... Uh, are we doing spoilers for this? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I just want to get that out there now for anyone that hasn't seen the film. If we're going to do well, spoilers, I just we'll want to... We'll hold them off till near the end. Okay, I just want to, you know, f- give fair warning. Yeah. Um, so, the main plot of the film... Well, hang on. I just wanted to say briefly yeah. uh, about the title, because we were talking about the title. Oh, that's right. Um, yes. Uh, the Nocturnal... Now, for me, the Nocturnal Animals, uh, the fact that it is in, uh, a basic... Uh, yeah, it's an inherent part of the storyline, or, you know, the, the meat of the theme of the book, movie. Yeah. Um, in the film, which we'll be talking about the plot of it, is... Uh, this uh, fashion, not fashion, uh, <laughs> art, an art curator, right. uh, director, you know, the person, people that buy and sell paintings. Uh, art. Her, her ex-husband from 19 years ago sends her his manuscript called uh, Nocturnal Animals, right. which also happens to be something that he used to call her because she's an insomniac. And the, the film kind of jumps back and forth between uh, current life, her life. Uh, her imagining of what the of the book as she's reading it, and her flashbacks to her uh, time with him right. 19 years ago. Uh, and Nocturnal Animals is the name of the book. It's has a double meaning there, so using it as the title of the film makes perfect sense. Yeah, and there's something to be said uh, about her reading his his book, his manuscript. Is everything that she sees, including flashbacks, are all from her perspective. Mm-hmm. Everything. Very important. It's yeah. extremely important. Um, specifically, even the fact that uh, Isla Fisher, which is a... You are? What? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Is a brilliant piece of cast casting. Absolutely brilliant. Because, why is that? Okay, and I'll tell you why. Two reasons why. Um, one, because it's... Because it's her point of view, and because she's reading this from Edward's manuscript, yes, the the fact that she doesn't see herself uh, like sitting next to she sees Edward's character in in the manuscript as him, but she doesn't see herself as that because she's a different person now. Okay, so it's very important that it's a different casting uh, for th- who's in the book. And and it's also brilliant in a real-world sense because 
I, Amy Adams and Isla Fisher get mistaken for each other all the time. That's public knowledge. They actually were talking about it in interviews, saying that Amy Adams gets uh, compliments on a lot of Isla Fisher's films, like, say, Wedding Crashers and um, some of the other ones, and then Isla Fisher the same way. So they've been mistaken for each other forever. And the fact that Isla Fisher is playing the a Amy Adams character in the manuscript, in the book, is brilliant. It truly is on 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 a, on another level that you have to kind of not dig dig a little, but if if you know like the whole backstory of them getting mistaken all the time in and out of Hollywood, it's a, it's brilliant, absolutely, and because of the fact that she is a different person than when uh, for what uh, Edward is writing in this book, and and it does it, it touches a bit on it as well. Where uh, when one in one of the flashbacks when she's criticizing his writing uh, when they're married, oh, absolutely. Uh, she said one of the things she says is uh, you should maybe you should write about something other than yourself, meaning that it was obvious in everything that he was writing that he was writing like from his point of view. So years later, when she reads this manuscript, um, she's immediately putting him in the main role, just because that's her per perception of all his past writing. Uh, it turns out to be a bit more true than uh, than you would than than she probably thought at first glance. Uh, but the fact that the other two characters look like her and her daughter, uh, but aren't exactly the, both of them, uh, is just that once removed. Definitely, and it, it's interesting that he gets criticized, like you said, by her for uh, writing too close to the vest or writing about himself, and a lot of great artists and writers. Well, or anyone that kind of does anything in that way will kind of do that. They'll kind of write or sculpt or draw or do any kind of art with themselves uh, kind of as, um, as the foreground of it, like from within. And the fact that any good writer will kind of incorporate a little of themselves into everything that they kind of do sometimes is a good thing. And she criticizes him for it and his mother-in-law perceives him as weak which kind of like a virus goes to her thinking the same thing and ultimately kind of destroys their marriage um, mm -hmm. which then later on major plot point we'll talk about it later uh, is one of the reasons why he is writing this book um, in such a way not to give anything away uh, it, it's it's pretty there, there are obviously parallels between the book she's reading and, and, that, and that's uh, why her she's... current life and the past. Otherwise, it would be a stupid movie. Yeah, uh, and and so, and and that's why she's so emotionally involved in this book, whether she realizes it or not. Mm -hmm. As she's reading it, she, you know, she's got these these moments where she has to put it down. Right. It's just too intense, or it's just too raw. And she, I, and, and I think for until the end frame of the movie, she doesn't realize why. You know, uh, mm -hmm. I, I really do feel that when the, the the end scene, when the credits roll, it's like you get the impression. It's like now she fucking gets it. And it's a great transitional move too for the film because whenever they have these scenes where she's reading, like uh, it'll suddenly jump to her because she'll she'll start or she'll take her glasses off or she'll do uh and then there's a lot of these scenes where, like if she'll start and look up and then this the camera will cut and you're kind of assuming that we're still in that moment where she looks up but 
eventually you realize, no, now we're in a flashback. Yeah. No, absolutely. So there, there's it, it, it. You never get lost in where you are, but you do have those moments where the lines blur. Just a little um, bit. Where you actually are, which is probably in some ways how she's feeling because as she's reading this book, the lines are blurring between what's in the book and what occurred and where she is now. So that it's 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 you're you're, you're communicating that frame of mind, that mindset, that emotional uh, reaction to the viewer on a subconscious level by cutting the film in such a fashion. Yeah, and the, from the opening, the opening scene of the film. Uh, what that represents there's uh, the opening of the film shows two women dancing naked two Not very two. isn't it two? It's, it's oh, it, two it's it's it is more it's like, than two it's like it's like three or four it is, it's a bunch of bunch of uh, women it's a bunch of women who are on um, you know plus size so obese <laughs> okay uh, anyway the reason why that scene is in the film is because it's supposed to represent freedom. It's supposed to represent uh, being able to love yourself, and and it's part of her art show. And well, yeah, well, it, not her art, mind you. Not her art, but she's just the kind of cur- the curator. She's the the, the gallery right. presenter or producer. But she has that in her show, and there's sculptures of of these of other women. And it's just supposed to represent, like, it's just supposed to represent freedom and being able to be free in such a way. And you, sh- they, sh- they pan over to her where you can see that she is miserable, where she is the complete opposite of that. She is not free. She's unhappy in her marriage. Uh, you know, she has a daughter that's not living at home anymore, and you know, she's trying to connect with her, and she's not for some reason. And even from the shot after that, when she finally receives this book. She's talking with her husband who's going on yet another business trip and she wants to go away for the weekend and she kind of gets the feeling that he's cheating on her. Uh, She has all these different feelings and she just realizes she's unhappy. And she gets this book, Nocturnal Animals, from her ex-husband. She starts reading it. She gets emotional. And as she's reading this, she kind of starts not falling in love with him again, but you get the sense that she never fell out of love with him. Uh, and it was just kind of this weird thing that happened between them uh, that she probably had her mother in the back of her head saying that he was weak, he was never going to accomplish anything, and she went for the, the smart, good-looking businessman and has the big house and all the money, and she's unhappy, which is not uncommon, which is it's very realistic, uh, to be completely honest. She likes, She leaves Jake Gyllenhaal... For Army Hammer, come <laughs> she, on. She she leaves the Prince of Persia for the Lone Ranger, right? So, <laughs> so, so it's a lateral move. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now I I have to disagree with you about the opening art sequence. Okay. Because I, I I don't think that's what it signifies. That is what uh, it signifies I, because I actually uh, heard an interview with the director say that almost yeah, verbatim. What does he know? Yeah. No, right. First of all, <laughs> whatever the director says does not doesn't count. So fuck him. All right. What what okay. signifies more than that? What does it what? signify? I said okay. He only directed the, the you know the movie, so yeah, he only directed it. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Sure. Yeah, and, and um, we're the viewer. We digest it any way we want. Yeah, and and uh, and uh, Brian De Palma didn't intend the giant drill in Body Double to be a phallic symbol. No, not at all. 
Yeah, he denies he, he denies that. But yes, uh, it, that's it, what I'm saying. It, it so is. don't care what the director says. Well, um, but wait a it, minute. I mean, <laughs> how how weird would it be if that's what it really meant? I mean, it's not like this crazy stretch of this phallic drill between uh, you know uh, Bill Maher's legs. <laughs> It's not no, Bill, no, it's not Bill Maher that he just looks. It wasn't creep, that, it wasn't creep. that actor. It wasn't even it wasn't even that character. It was it was. Uh, oh, you're right. But um, never mind. Sorry. But 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 what what I'm saying is 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 that uh, what the, the what does it, it signify? At least from a, pardon. What does it signify? Well, fr- from the artist standpoint, what I get from the artist that created those uh, that this art display, I get sort of a mocking of the of the American exceptionalism exceptionalism. Uh, and self glorification, and and you know just a parody of American Americans in general. Uh, you get that whole Fourth of July motif as as they're dancing in slow motion. Uh-huh. At the same time, and what does the Fourth of July a, represent? What? What does the Fourth of July represent? Freedom. America. 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 Freedom. Right. Right. But going deeper. But that's uh. not. But that's not what it's representing. It's it's mocking. It's doing so mockingly. Mm. Uh, on the, on another level, the, the, there's a big theme going out through this film about exposure. Of being exposed, of having having uh, your, the truth come out. Uh, this is something that the uh, the Susan main character Susan. This is something that she is constantly afraid of. Uh, she she's kind of and and her her being afraid is something that comes up in the flashbacks. Gyllenhaal, uh, I'm sorry, um, Edward uh, accuses her of being afraid uh, repeatedly of trying to be an artist and that's why instead of being of actually creating art she buys and sells art like a commodity and uh that's why it, there's even an earlier scene where she says i you know i don't i don't like i don't care about any of this art that i have all around the house and they're selling stuff because her, her husband has a shit, shit it's he sucks at his job and <laughs> and so and there's this whole but the reason she's selling it is because his jobs is uh he's he's not doing well with his business and so to keep up appearances and not to embarrass him, and she mentions being embarrassed as well. There's this ongoing theme of her um, fear of exposure, which okay. you can also see throughout the film. And again, this is another film where, where uh, the the cinematography, the locations, the framing of shots, very very important. You're you're, you're paying attention to everything that happens in this film, and uh, a lot most of her scenes involve her in front of windows. Or behind windows. There's a lot about this exposure being out in the open. Sure, and and you could even say windows because they're transparent. There's like some transparency parallel going on with that as well. Um, Especially paralleling the book. There's all these different double meanings. But there's this fear. There's this fear of transparency too. When she's talking to her friend at the party, she's like, "I can't believe I told you about the trouble I'm having. I'm so embarrassed." Right. You know, I feel. You know, so there's this constant fear, and there's it's it's it, and a lot of this is like, it's all spelled out by Edward, the author, uh, in the flashbacks where he even tells her too, um, you, "You're afraid. You're afraid. Uh, you're afraid of failing." You're, you know, and and her friends that she meets. In the present time, uh, a repeated theme is that you're too hard on yourself. Yeah. So there's right, a lot right, of right. self guilt, self loathing going on. Well, which, especially because of how how she hurt Edward too, which you find out later in the film. Well, it, well, it goes beyond that too. It's not just how she left him or how she hurt him, but what she's become. She's looking at this fact that she took the safe way 
and like she hated her mother for, she's become what she despised, or be- she became what she didn't like. Yeah, her mother. Right. So, so, uh, <laughs> so a lot. A lot. I, I really feel like exposure, uh, and um, not not saying anything about the act, the uh, the models at the beginning, but the ugly truth being exposed. Okay. So I'm. Uh, I personally, I love the title of the film. I, yeah. I, I think it's a great title. Um, had it been nominated for Best Picture, I would probably say it was, other than Hell or High Water, probably my favorite title. Uh, now, there was a quick conversation before. Okay, I'll just mention that the poster, it's fun. Yeah. I'm not crazy about it, but I don't hate it either. It's not something that I would purchase and then put on my wall. Oh, it uh, sucks. It, it's not. It, it's an okay poster, in my opinion. It's 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 an yeah. It's another one of those. Just okay. Here's the actor and here's the actress. Right. But they went through great lengths to do photos of like the banner that you put up for our our our, our, our Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's it's everybody. It's Amy Adams, Jake Jill. It's Tony. It's Susan or Edward and Susan. It's Michael Shannon's character. And uh, it's the main villain's character. Uh, they're all, you know, in that wide banner shot, which is much better than a standard the standard poster that they use, uh, which just seems to be most the most popular one is Amy Adams with Gyllenhaal in the background, which what looks like a ripped page of a book over you know like the eyes or something. I I think they should have used the cover from the book, uh, which is a car on a road and the road kind of as. It, the road comes to the foreground it becomes the uh, a book opened oh i haven't seen the cover of the book that sounds like I a saw, pretty pretty yeah, good cover yeah i saw it when i was looking around and i i was impressed by that i thought that was a decent cover um i, I don't see why they couldn't use something like that you know it's, yeah we know there's we know there's pe- the people in the film i it you know it, there's a, there's poster art and then there's poster advertising well hopefully when this when this you know what i'm saying comes out officially They'll have some good alternate posters, and maybe like say for my Plex, and but, I could use something like that. Yeah, but you, but you get what I mean. I, mean, I do, like, I do. You can tell that they say, okay, so someone looks at this and say, oh, I know her, I know him, I want to know more. It's an advertising mind making this poster, yeah. not not uh, an artistic mind. And considering that the film, it basically it broke even. It cost, tw- I have it, I think it cost like twenty five million. Uh, yeah, I have it right here. It cost twenty two point five, and it made thirty point seven. So, and then I'm surprised it was a PG film. It should have made more. It's rated R. Why? Why would it be rated R? Um, I'm just kidding. Oh, I thought you were serious. No, no, I was <laughs> kidding. I'm sorry. Uh, so it 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 broke even. Uh, with print and advertising, I'd say it broke even. Because I don't think they spent that much on print and advertising for this. Uh, I did see some late night commercials for it. I never saw anything during the daytime. Not that I watch much during the daytime, but even primetime television, I rarely saw a trailer or a teaser or a TV spot for this. Everything that I knew about this film was one trailer that I just happened to see on IMDb. That was it. And then I was like, this looks like a pretty good movie. I had, I went into it completely blind. I uh, did not know at all. Oh, now we're perfectly streaming. Fuck you, live stream. <laughs> uh, I had no idea whatsoever that this was a movie 
inside of a book. That it was going to be two storylines going uh, back and forth and in and out of each other. Oh, I'm, honestly, uh, I went into this film completely blind. I didn't even bother watching the trailer. When you said, this is a great film, you have to see it, it was like, all right, now I don't want to know anything about it. Yeah. And so that, that's why that's why I first turned it on, and there's like uh, large older women dancing naked in slow motion. I'm like, what the fuck is he got me watching? And then Holly <laughs> walks in, and I'm like, yeah, Joey told me to watch this. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. So. I didn't do this. This is this is Joey's <laughs> fault. If uh, you go into the film blind, the opening is a shock. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, you know what's interesting about yeah. that? I didn't know that that scene existed uh, because I will admit, I uh, I watched the first few minutes of this online before I actually could get out to go see it, and that whole scene was edited out. Really? That it, it, I did not know it existed until I actually was able to watch or go see a real, uh, the real version of this. That's strange. I was I was watching it and I was like, I need mm. to see this, and because you know you watch something online, it's shitty quality, so I didn't bother. I wanted to see it the the real way, and I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? <laughs> I'm like, this was censored out. Spe- speaking of censored, I got I got to I got to read this because it's hilarious. Okay. I went to the IMDb uh, parental guidance section. Oh, okay. I know you didn't go there for comments because they've been removed. God, which is, you know, I hate that they did because I, I, one out of 15 people on there actually has some smart right. things to say. Well, and I like punching and, them out. And you know what? This is a type of film where you're going to get a lot of stupid people. But like oh, you God, said, yes. one out of 15, it'd be like, yeah, this guy nailed it. And that's yeah. the thread that you want to keep reading instead of the other 100 where it's like, right. I, don't, I don't understand what's going on. Uh, what happens at the end? Uh, is this really what happened? It just, stop it. Stop shut up. it. Yes, shut All right, up. So, so, here we go. All right. Under, under sex and nudity, uh-huh. some frontal nudity. Barely. And then a sequence of full frontal nudity occurs during a scene depicting an art ex- exhibition <laughs> where several women are seen dancing or lying on their sides as exhibition pieces. Oh. <laughs> Now, it, now, to its credit, it doesn't mention that they are uh, morbidly obese. So they they just said nudity, plain, simple. I'll give it that. Okay. Uh, now it mentions that specific one. It doesn't mention the the uh, spoiler alert. Uh, I'm gonna start talking spoiler alerts here. I'm just going forward. Uh, it doesn't mention the like the the naked dead raped women. Right. That's well, not that's not their, their listing here. Now we move on to violence and gore. The film contains some scenes of violence mainly involving depictions of a family that gets tormented, italicized, by a group of by a group of road bullies. Road bullies. Road bullies. Okay. <laughs> and harassed constantly before they are kidnapped. Road bullies. Yeah. In this scene, what a the women in the stupid description. In, in the now, now here we go. Violence and gore. Next part. Yeah. In these scenes, the women in the family are also shown to be subjected to sexual harassment. Oh. Uh, then there is also a brief scene where sexual violence is implied. I don't know why rape is such a hard thing to say, but uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, mean uh, Michael Shannon had no problem saying it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, the I, I just want to let you know that they were also raped. <laughs> In thanks, the scene, thanks, a man is seen restraining a screaming woman, but no sexual activity is portrayed. Yeah. I disagree with that. Yeah. Just because you can't see his ass moving doesn't mean they're not portraying sex. Yeah. Uh, 
And again, no mention of new dead raped women on on a couch. Correct. Okay. Um, now, which you know, it's fan- inter- it's interesting. There's also a parallel of that as well. There's a scene. Well, there, in- no, there's a lot of parallels. Let me let me well, burn through this, and we, we'll go back to those parallels. Uh, Trust right, me. Cool. Okay. Trust me. There's, there, honestly, there's very little left. Surprisingly, under profanity, <laughs> they just say that the film contains utterances of uh, f blank blank k. Oh God, the f d- uh, dash or- dash dash word. Yeah. Only and, I didn't say fudge. I mean, th- that's all that sentence yeah. fucking is missing. <laughs> as as well as damn shit, bitch, bastard, asshole, and hell. So thank you for listing those for us. Okay. Now, under alcohol slash drug slash smoking, nothing. <laughs> There's plenty I feel of, they gave up. Plenty of I think, that. At that point, they're like, Come, no kid's going to watch this. Why am I even bothering? Because <laughs> there's plenty of drinking and smoking throughout the film. Oh, yeah. And then frightening Hell, intense Michael scenes. Michael Shannon has has lung cancer. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love under frightening slash intense scenes. All they wrote is the plot is on the main page. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that's yeah that no it's just the movie yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, at, at some point, I have to go back and see what the parental guide is for Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Uh, <laughs> it's just no. <laughs> Stab eyes, um, but now now parallels. We'll never look at luggage the same way again. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Now, yeah, there are a lot of the, the. There's so much to talk about in this film that we're not going to get to everything, but there are parallels, like you said, uh, between different scenes and also the flashbacks to the story right. in the book to the uh, current life. Uh, you know current time and uh you were mentioning in the couch that that he that he and michael shannon uh find his wife and daughter on right there's a scene earlier where amy adams is just sitting on pretty much the exact same couch it's basically no, when she's I, talking different to couches, but, they, but they are red couches they're red and it's the scene where she's talking to edward basically telling him his book is shit mm-hmm. so it's just it if you if you watch this film and I haven't watched this a second time. This is just going on my first time. There, there, there. You've seen it twice. I watched it again. Yes. There, there's a lot that I know that I missed. Um, that that I will notice the second time around, like things like the couch. I mean, which I knew. But then there are scenes like when she kind of basically tells him that they're done. There's the car. There's a car in the background that is the exact car that they get abducted in. Right, uh, the green charger. The green charger. Right. Thank you mm-hmm. for telling the make and model. I didn't remember. Um, uh, but well, it, that, that was that wasn't a make. That was a color. <laughs> it's a green. <laughs> well, the charger. It's a Dodge. <laughs> I, yes, I get it. <laughs> I just, just clarifying. Yes, I know the make. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's all that matters. Uh, but it's like there's scenes like that where that car is in the background, and then when they're abducted, that's it's the same car because again, now, he's writing what he knows about and. He very he remembers it's like he remembers this car when it was pretty much over and what it felt like for when it was over it was like you know his life was taken away from right. him now, his wife and daughter were, were abducted in that scene there's also uh, there's a lot of color imagery in the film yes. and there's two main colors throughout the film green and red yes uh, red symbolizes uh, physical and emotional violence or anger. And then green is kind of a nature, uh, 
which kind of leads to the Nocturnal Animals title again. Right, right. Uh, and you see Green uh, m- most pivotally at the end of the film uh, when when uh, Susan dresses up in green. And also the, the Charger is green and the boots that the uh, the main bad guy wears. Uh, what was it? Ray? Was that Ray? Ray. Yeah, Ray. Um, Played he, by uh, he, he Aaron wears Taylor. He boots as well. His name is Aaron Taylor or something. He's, he was fucking in Kick-Ass. Like the whole film, yeah, the whole time, to, I was the whole trying time, to think of the name of the character. Right, but it's like the whole time I'm watching a movie, I'm like, I know who this fucking guy is, and it just it hit me. I was like, oh, it's the guy from Kick Ass, and he was in the was Avengers. Kick Ass. He was Kick Ass. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, I like all- Sarah better in this. He was also in the Avengers, uh, the, the the first one. He was the guy that could run real fast. He's the brother of the Russian girl, the the witch. That was red, the first red, one. Red Scarlet. That's the first. That was the first Avengers. Oh fuck! You're right. It was the second Avengers. That's correct. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so, he was in, he was in the second one. So so that scene you're talking about when she's uh, unloading on him, when she's pretty much breaking up with him, um, he, he stops. Uh, when he stops, he's next to the green charger, uh, and he's bathed in red light. Right. So it's almost a pivotal point there where he is he's being he's being confronted by that that nat, that nocturnal beast and he's also giving in to that anger or uh, or it, he's been consumed by that emotional rage uh, mo- emotional violence which again she's she's on she's sitting on the red couch when she first when another's flashback when she's launches this emotional stuff at him accusing him and uh, you know, pretty much, you know, accusing him of things that her mother had accused him of uh, previously when she had defended right. him. Right. She just starts, you know. She she told her mother. She says he's not like that. You know, it's different. I love him. But, but then, then she she, the she, she starts buying. You know, she starts buying into it. She starts yeah. hearing her mother in the back of her head uh, quite a bit. Now, Michael Shannon. So co- no, hang on. Don't jump to Michael Shannon yet. Okay. Because we're still on the color. Okay. Uh, <laughs> All right, just so that about red and green comes up. Now, one th- another thing I noticed a second go round is that we're looking at colors and we're looking at the how they appear in the character. Uh, the character, Edward's character in the book, which is Tony, who's the mathematician whose fam- whose family is abducted and everything. Uh, I noticed that he wears primarily shirts that have checkers or plaid on them. Yes, that kind of cross hatch. Yep. So instead of any kind of solid color. He wears these mixes where, like, he's on the border between. Yeah, he's all uh, kind of broken up. Uh, he, he's he's broken up, and there's these. He's he's in transformation stage. He's not one thing. He's he's like he's 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 balancing between the the you know the, the meek meek weak character that he was originally, you might say, or who he is, and trying to become one of these nocturnal animals, or trying to take on vengeance. Uh, in the name of his family. Yeah. So I, that's the thing. I I don't know if it was intentional, but that's what I got out of that. Uh, also, I, because I he's wearing that. a red plaid shirt the night it happens. He does. Or yes. jacket. Uh, but it's plaid. So yeah. Now well, that, um, I mean that could signify that could signify there's a lot of mixed, like red, yeah. like you said, for emotional violence and whatnot, and the other neutral colors, like say green. It's like that kind. All of that kind of happens in that scene. Well, don't forget, green's not neutral. Green's more like uh, natural nature, uh, even bestial. 
Right. And the thing is, it's like that scene, it's like you could feel that there's there's things that he wanted to do but was too weak and cowardly to do it. But you, I, but again, were you saying weak and cowardly? I don't think that's the case. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not but necessarily. What, what are you going to – I mean, it's, it's not like he doesn't fight back at a certain point. But when oh, there's I know like, that. You know, three guys against one, how much are you going to do? But with the where you're going with the color, I mean, let's say he was wearing an all-red shirt. I'm sure that scene would have probably went differently. Uh-huh. The director obviously would have chosen it for to, to be a different scene. Maybe. Because if you're correct about the color, then the director knows that too. Now, we, we mentioned the killer's car, uh, the rapist killer, whatever, car showing up in that flashback. Right. The, uh, the car that Tony drives in the book also makes an appearance at the very beginning of the film when she drives to her house after she uh, goes into her gated mansion uh, the same car pulls up in her driveway and we just see the legs of a person and later on we we can assume that this this is the person that puts the book in her mailbox oh. and we can assume that it's Edward doing it oh I didn't even notice that oh yeah same car you know oh you know why I didn't notice it um, because I bet that it's first, a very brief shot and the, it's very dark. The first few minutes, the first few minutes of the film, like I said, were were censored or edited out. I bet a part of that uh-uh. got cut, and I didn't even notice it when I actually saw it because yeah. I was like, I was so like, oh my god, they cut this. This has been all cut out. I I didn't even notice it happening at all. Well, you know, what? I didn't notice it until you had mentioned him seeing the other car in the flashback. Right. And then I was paying more attention to it, and and I was like, okay, it's got to be the same car. Yeah. And it is. Uh, so and, and it kind of implies that Edward himself physically like followed her home and put the stuff in her mailbox. I have to uh, rewatch it a second time. I haven't seen it. Yeah. It now, just came so, out. It just came out on Blu-ray uh, a couple of weeks ago. Nice. Definitely worth a uh, Blu-ray copy. Absolutely. Um, now. Now. Uh, what are your thoughts on the cinematography beyond the colors that we just talked about? I thought the cinematography was spot on. I thought he captured everything beautifully from everything from a tra- a simple transition of when Edward was stuck out in the middle of the desert. You know, that simple sunrise of when he's walking out and it just, the camera pans over gorgeously from this sunrise to him where you just feel how alone he is. In that moment, I thought throughout the entire movie, the cinematography, he, it was done that way throughout. Mm-hmm. You know, I really, I thought the cinematography, the, I was very strongly in favor of this film being nominated for Best Picture, obviously Best Adapted, Cinematography. Definitely um, Cinematography. Even Best Directing, I thought that this film uh, could have been nominated for. I really felt that this film was snubbed. I really oh, no, do. Definitely. Because we had gotten to a conversation where you thought, oh, maybe not. And I think maybe during a second viewing, you might be more in agreement with me. That, oh, no, I'm 100% agree with me. You yeah. know, just take okay. out La La Land, which was never going to fucking happen. No, this movie, piece of shit. This movie yeah. easily should have been in its place. But then if you look at all the other films, take Hidden Figures. As much as I liked Hidden Figures, this is a better movie. This, absolutely, in my opinion, could replace Hidden Figures without it even a fucking hitch you know i mean you do the same thing with uh you know 
even uh, the the winner of, of the Oscars, Moonlight. I think this could have replaced that too. I think this could have replaced everything with the exception of Hell or High Water and probably Hacksaw Ridge. I, I think this film's on par. I think this film is, is an improvement over Hell or High Water because of the few minor issues I had with the film. Okay. And and uh, I, I think this film is on par with Moonlight and other films that were for Best Picture because it is a deep film that has a lot going on and it yeah. doesn't spook and feed and, at and all. Absolutely. And, and, and my... I This is... And I haven't seen everything from 2016, but everything that I have that was produced in 2016, this is my favorite film in 2016. It's a great film. Yeah, Hands down, my favorite film in 2016. Now, I I I definitely want to talk to you a little bit more about cinematography. Yeah, let's do it. I'll I'll try to open my mouth in between words (laughs) next time. Um, Sure. Now, there's obviously, we have the book, we have the flashbacks, then we have current time. Yes. All, All seen... From the POV of Susan. Of Susan. And Susan is the narrator of this film. And, be, and like, you, like you said, it does blur very slightly, but it's pretty seamless. It, but there are three very distinct film styles yeah. involved. Now, for the flashbacks, they're the most normal, so to speak. They're uh, yeah, warm lighting. It, there's more colors. It's back to a time of when it was romantic and they were in love and... Uh, they didn't care if they, you know, where they were financially. It was all about where they were emotionally, and it was because they were together. So that's why those scenes look that way, and they feel that way. Well, I, I think too. It's just like I, I would say, for memory, uh, the grass is always greener kind of thing, where the memories seem more real. Well, and it's because it's from her perspective when she remembers it. She she remembers it fondly, right? You know, so. Now, there's, there's the current day, and it, 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 talk about parallels. I, w- I want to talk about parallels between current day and the book, okay. because that's the, ma- that's the major contrast. There, there's stuff I know I, I noticed the first time around. There's stuff I noticed the second time around. Okay. Uh, now, you go ahead first. I don't know if contrast I... between the two of them. I mean, I, I just because I, I don't want to dominate the whole thing now, this here, is, I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk about this so I want you to so okay so let me just get this straight so that I don't fuck it up uh, you want to talk uh, about too late. the contrast no, yes the contrast of uh, present day and the book and the book yeah uh, comparing contrasting just just because they're two very unique visions well, yeah, I mean, because it's her point of view, she always, when, as she's reading this book, uh, current day, for all we know, she still perceives Edward as a weak person. You know, she see, she gets this book from him, and she obviously think, probably saying to herself, well, he accomplished that, and then she starts to read it. And her POV uh, is strictly of Edward as the character from the book. She doesn't picture right. anyone else. So the contrast I feel in that is that she starts to read this book and she only sees her ex-husband in this role. And I think what it does is it brings back all these memories of exactly what she did to him, that how she hurt him so badly. So you have this present day stuff where she's unhappy, her marriage is failing, and she starts to read this book and she starts to kind of piece back together bit by bit, because again, I don't think... 
she realizes everything until that last scene in the movie. Um, the contrast is her looking or reading this book, picturing her husband, her ex-husband, as that part, and the fact that she's unhappy. Uh, and, right. You know, she she's just unhappy, and this book kind of, kind of, if she didn't realize it, she realizes as she's reading this book that she's unhappy. I think it brings it to light even more. Well, all right. The current, all the film, the, the film uh, depiction of the current world, uh, Susan in the present. Present day. Present day, uh, California, upper upper class, rich California, uh, you know, scumbags, sure. what do you want to call them? Yuppies. Not yuppies. Not no, yuppies. No, that's, that's 80s, I know. Yeah, as a, no, these aren't yuppies. These are the fucking elite. Let's get, get it straight. The elite. So, <laughs> first thing you notice is that, or at least the main thing that I know that you notice in the current day, in the present yeah. Susan world, is that California is a bleak, miserable place. Any exterior, any exterior shots we see are rainy, bleak, gray. Uh, there are. And that's the, and there are very few exterior shots other than establishing shots of buildings. Yeah, they're mostly because, doom and gloom, or there at night. Well, she, we don't, we don't see her outside any time except when she's leaving a car to go to a building, and even then, I think that's like twice. Right. She is always inside. Now, remember the beginning I mentioned about exposure being exposed. She, the, everybody in this reality. Um, that she's in is like almost bunkered in, hiding indoors. She's, you know, she spends all the time at her mansion, or she's at her office, or she's uh, in a car, or at uh, the gallery, being chauffeured for most of them, or the gallery. Yeah. Uh, everything is inside. Even when we see the out, the, most of the time we see the outside is through these giant windows of her house. Yeah, that's so true. So sh she's constantly indoors. Very much so. Yeah, that's a good right. that's a good catch. Now, we go to the book. Almost the entire book takes place outdoors. That's also a good catch. In the desert. So everything is exposed. Everything is raw. The, the book is like... And that's one of the things. You have this woman that's just isolated, uh, false sense of security, uh, almost entombed in this false reality... And in the book, everything is like a raw nerve, just just edged out and irritated. So that oh. parallel is, you know, in in way you could even say uh, Edward, uh, in writing this book, has laid everything bare and brought it out into the open. He's exposed himself this way, well, or exposed and, everything. And and you know what, I, and. I, I've never read the original book, so I don't know if that don't. was if that was a, a a parallel that was shown in the book as well. But I think it's probably possible that the director decided to do it that way so that oh, no, there, it's obviously on purpose. There there is such a strong contrast between yeah. the the book world and the real world, so that yeah. you, you there's no way you can even get them confused. Not that it he was he was filming it for dummies. That's not what I'm getting at. It's right. just that. It's so stark, you know, uh, like you said, the, the book is mainly outdoors. Even the colors are, it's vibrant. 
it's like you said, it's nocturnal well, animals. It's beastly. Whereas, it's, whereas it's, in the current day, uh, if 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 you do have bright lights, everything is like very muted. Bare. What? It's, it's very muted. I, I wouldn't say muted. Like like when she goes to her office, for example, it's not like it's dark or shady. But even when there's bright white or bright contrast of color, there's nothing else. Bare walls, ba- yeah. big empty stairwells. Uh, it's very. Um, uh, I can't. I dropped. The, I dropped the word. I don't empty. know. But <laughs> these cavernous places. Now that and that's another contrast I didn't notice the second time around. Every time, so again in the book everything's outdoors he's wandering through the desert uh and if they do spend some time indoors it's only to get outdoors again this is true also every time now we mentioned she's indoors the entire time uh but huge like you get cat this huge uh mansion yep large office giant staircases everywhere she goes she's inundated with space now there's a lot of that in the the book too, because again, open plains, desert, Texas, desert, arid. Right. It's just a it's just a different kind of open. Right now there are interior scenes in, in in the book, but in all the interior scenes, it is almost claustrophobic. Yeah, like everything from the police station to the cabin, to uh, his Perfect. hotel or motel. Yeah, well, per- perfect example is when they when they actually cut back and forth between the Tony character in the hotel bathroom and her in in his bathtub right. and her in her bathtub. I mean, she can't even touch the sides of her fucking bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's huddled in his tub, like sticking out of it, like you know. Right. And meanwhile, she she emerges from her tub like she's like in the deep end of a pool. <laughs> this is very true. Very yeah, very I mean, true. She, Good catch. She's in her. Yeah, when she's lying on her bed, it's like this vast again, again, like in, even in the bathroom windows, uh, j- out into the night, it's almost like endless. Every every time he's, I dare you to find a window yeah. <laughs> in any scene where they're indoors, like even even in the trailer. And if you uh, do, they, the you got to spit on it to clean it. <laughs> <laughs> and when they're like when when they're in the trailer where the bad guy is. Uh, there's curtains over the windows obscuring it. Red curtains on one wall. Hot, so there you go for that. Yep. Uh, but even then, like, or when they go into rooms, like nine times out of ten, they leave the door open. Yeah. There, there's <laughs> always an egress, or like even when they're doing the lineup, uh, like the the window is there for the other room, but there's so it's like two small room. Everything is is claustrophobic with a way to get out, and and major everything else beyond that. Even when they're like when they're driving. Uh, they're it, it's out there. Yeah. But so it, even the driving scene, like inside the car, they're obviously a car small, but they're claustrophobic. But at the same time, out in the great open, so there's that real contrast between her, like almost hiding, living this life, hiding, uh, and while this other character is thrown out into the wild. Yeah. So uh, that's a great contrast. I like too. Yeah. No. 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 It, the film does a lot of things. Uh, so very well. Also, um, once you get this idea of prison bars or like c- cage cages, right? Um, in your head, every other scene, if it's not the windows that look like bars, uh, it's like the tiles in the background. Almost every every other scene, if there's a wall behind them, it's tile or brick or, or something that kind of has a, a lattice work to it. Uh, there's always this feeling of being barred in if you are inside, right? So it's it's just uh, the cinema. Uh, 
I respect this film the way I respected Arrival for its attention to cinematography and telling a story through visuals. Right. Uh, yeah, another no, reason why I, I, I agree, I agree. With you, this film should have been nominated for something, if not Best Picture, than cinematography. Yeah, it only had one nomination. It just supporting act, yeah. Best Supporting Actor for Michael Shannon, which, in my opinion, was very well deserved. Um, and, again, if I had my way, he would have won for it. But, um, I mean, I like Michael Shannon. Not that that's a biased opinion. I, I, I do feel that he gave the best performance out of all the... No, he's good. Now, did you did you mention the Michael Shannon's character? Because again, now we have the parallels in the book on what they represent. Yes, obvious. Now, now there's there's one theory. Spoilers. Spoilers. Oh, spoilers. I mean, the whole yeah. podcast spoilers. But now we're getting deep into it, where we're going to reveal stuff that that yeah. might infect. Now, there's, in my opinion, Michael Shannon's character go two ways. Uh, there's one, the one way that. I'm kind of 50-50 on both of these ways. One is my theory is that Michael Shannon is uh, Edward's dead father. Uh, because, again, you write what you you write what you write know about, and that's what he does. He That's this and, book. He writes well, what he knows about. Not, not even writing what you know. As you, as you get near the end, you got to wrap your head around the idea that this book is an entire metaphor for um, his relationship with Susan. Yes, and his and his life, uh, and doing so, everything has kind of an alternate meaning in one way or another. Right. And whether whether it's intended by the author or intended by the the, the director, it goes both ways. Right. And and, and the thing the thing of it is, um, you find out in the film that Edward's father dies. You don't find out how. You just find out that right. he dies. And in mm -hmm. the book, you find out that Michael Shannon has lung cancer. So I take it as Michael Shannon could very well be his 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 dead father, and that's the reveal of how his father died because it he wrote it in the book, um, and just the way that Michael Shannon talks to Edward, he talks to him like a son. It's like when he's talking to him about the lineup, and Edward's like, "I don't know, I don't remember," and Michael Shannon basically says, "What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> Why can't you remember?" You just kind of get the feeling that he's talking him that way because he cares about him or he or he cares and that's how mm -hmm. a father most of the time talks to a child and so that's my theory my that's my personal theory that michael shannon it could very well be his dead dad now i gotta say i'm, I'm a totally 100 percent on board with you on that i'm not sure if i would have picked that up if you hadn't mentioned it before i saw the film oh, okay or after i saw the film I don't know if I was there mindset-wise, but in the second viewing, I'm 100% behind you on that. I think it's undeniable that he represents the father figure that yeah. uh, that uh, Edward never had or didn't have at a young age because he died when he was young. Right. Uh, so it, it is like an ex almost like an extension of his father into his adult life. Uh, I definitely see him as a father figure representing his father in some way. I. There's no, I, I, I don't see any. What, what's the other one you're talking about? The other about? one that 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 I've, uh, and again, you know, I had thought this myself, and then I actually read something, you know, like a review of the film, and they mention it, and I'm like, okay, I kind of thought that, but I still like the, you know, the dead father, my theory, much better. Tell me already. But but the other theory is that Michael Shannon is essentially his subconscious is the stronger part of him that he's actually become where yeah. 
Michael Shannon is that strong part of Edward, just kind of like he's him, but no. the stronger version, like uh, helping him like get it. to where he eventually becomes as a stronger person, or that you kind of feel that he has become because he wrote this book and he sent it to Susan. He even dedicated it to her, which right. if you really look at that, it's like, listen, I would have never been the strong person that I am now, the, the writer, the good writer that I am now, unless you told me that I was shit. But but and it's also but it's also a slap in the face. It is a complete slap in the face, which oh, yeah. you get at the end credits. Yeah. Um, but well, the, the, the cryptic letters, like, I never could have written this without you. It was like, yeah, because you fucked me. You fucked me over, and yeah. she, so, again, we haven't even gotten into, like, what she actually did to him that was well, literally the, the nail in the coffin for their marriage. Right, and that's why I was saying the spoiler, because if we're talking about the book as compared to reality, uh, the character, Edward's alternate in the book, Tony, his wife and daughter, pardon me, <laughs> represent represent his real life uh, ex-wife Susan mm-hmm. and and his child that she aborted on him while she was cheating on him with Army Hammer. Right. With the Lone Ranger. Yes. Um he is her tanto. Oh. <laughs> uh but yeah and, oh, and that would be his tanto. Cuz he's the Lone Ranger. I said he is her, uh yeah, true. You're right. I know. Uh, okay, so the she she got an abortion, and he was with her when it happened. He took her there, and then of course right. Edward must have followed them there because he's suspicious, <laughs> and he's just like, "Oh fuck!" And she's like in the car. It's raining, like we were mentioning before about how it's always like gloomy, and it's like it's raining when that scene happens. It's pouring, and there's Edward in the pouring rain, just staring at the two of them. And she just realized that he now knows that mm-hmm. she just aborted his child. Right. Um, and the scene where they get abducted in the desert, in my opinion, depicts that scene. What what he felt like what losing his wife and his unborn child. Mm-hmm. That's why that scene is written and, and is done that way uh, when they're abducted. Because... It right, depicts... he, he lost his wife and his his child. Right, so that uh, scene the... in the book depicts the scene in present day or real life, the flashback of what he felt when it happened. And and yeah, and also it's it's the emotional violence uh, turned in the book into physical violence, and but still portraying that same feeling of helplessness that he felt at that point, not being able to turn it around. Right. Right, and yeah. and uh, that's why I agree with the father figure too. Because if he had had his father in his life at that point, or some a, a father figure of of some kind to lend some kind of moral support, they might have pushed him in that direction, saying you have to stop this, or this is something you you need to. So that's why he shows up afterwards because he wasn't there. So he brings him back to inform him after the fact of how do I get back to where I belong. Yeah, no, yeah, perfectly put. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's it's even th- looking back at the film and just going over it in my head as we review it, it just it blows my mind at how well this film was done with everything, the source material and 
it just blows my mind that it wasn't nominated for anything but Best Supporting Actor. It truly does. Uh, the, the night that I watched it, I contacted you and I just said, at your earliest convenience, make sure you watch Nocturnal Animals. Now, I, I want to bring up one thing Yeah. that I think really it really makes this film that much more entertaining to watch a second time around. Sure. Is... Uh, when she read when she's reading about the uh, the bodies on the couch. Oh right. They 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 actually show the the book for a split second, and I freeze framed it, and I read the page. Oh. And in the page, it does mention that it's a half burned red couch. So that's not her subconsciously remembering the red couch she was on in a flashback. That's the book actually stating it's a red couch. Whether or not Edward meant to to, to draw a parallel. Uh, uh, parallel between the two can be questioned but it's not her mind playing that trick like it is making him the lead character however the position that the mother and daughter are placed on the couch when she stops reading that because of the brutality of it she immediately calls her daughter and when her daughter picks up her and her boyfriend are laying naked in the exact same position that is true you're right now right uh, now Keeping in mind that we're talking about this whole film is from her point of view, she can't see them. So when she calls her daughter, she has mentally put her in the same position in her head. We have to assume that anything that we don't see physically with her is her is her projecting her images onto the screen. So that's not, oh, gee, look, ironically, her, her boyfriend and, and uh, her daughter and her, is her boyfriend are laying in the same position she is imagining them laying in that same position when she calls and, and you know what's interesting about that is i i mean earlier when we started reviewing the film i had mentioned that everything we see in the movie is from her point of view right um i and i knew that but i guess subconsciously i didn't even realize for that scene i'm so happy that you brought that up that's brilliant um that you even but, spotted I mean, it uh because even but, during that scene when she calls her when she's talking to her daughter that scene is not it's not like crystal clear not that it's hazy but you can definitely depict that yeah she's picturing her daughter in that position because of the way that scene is shot it's not like this perfectly clear you know it's almost like not blurry or hazy but it's definitely got something going on where it's right. like yeah she's this is in her head and we can even make that same assumption when she's uh on the phone with her husband when he's gallivanting around with his whore, um, <laughs> you know, just to, to put it mildly. And also, even in the flashbacks, we have to take that into account. During that scene we talked about where they fight and she walks away and he's standing there bathed in a red light next to that green car that's from the book. Right. Are we saying, oh, look, is it the director just like throwing a nod? But it's such a blatant shot, even though it only lasts for a few seconds. Or is that her transposing stuff in the book? From her, uh, from her visualization of the book, back into her memories now. Now, yeah. now, how, what she's reading in the book is actually coloring her her mem memories of the past. Right, and and that's the intended purpose of Edward. That's why he says, "I could have never written this without you." So mm -hmm. it's it 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 makes so much sense that it's kind of flooding back, and, and I, that and again, that is why I think she doesn't get it until the very last scene of the movie. And, and I, I think, I think that I think they even hint at that uh, when she's talking to her husband after receiving the book, and she tells him, "Yeah, I just got this uh, from Edward." 
I got a book. Edward sent me this a book he wrote. He says, "Who?" He's like, uh, "My ex-husband." He's like, "Oh, I didn't know he was a writer." He says, "Yeah, you did, because yeah. he was writing when I was seeing you." Yeah. You know, <laughs> he's kind of like you know? blocked it out. He's like, "Yeah, fuck that guy." Well, it, what it, what it does is kind of kind of it kind of hints at the idea that mem that memory is not photographic. I mean, it's not permanent. Right. So. We don't. I mean, we're based. We're we're going on her memory on what happened, and it might be different. Right. Subtly, she could have never really said anything about Edward. For I, I she, wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. But what what, what I'm saying is well, like no, again, no, no, like, the, like, the, like the, the fact that car, he was a the writer green car appearing there. Oh, is right. like her interjecting that 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 book into her memories. So I mean, she might be thinking. She might be remembering herself being a bit more harsh than she was. Who knows? But and here's somebody that's always beating herself up and who's always feeling guilty about things, uh, which she should since she's Catholic and she had an abortion. Uh, <laughs> and, and, there's an, and there's another dirty secret to hide. Again, this fear of exposure. And, and what was that there? She was exposed to him. Her, the la her, one of her last moments with him was a moment of pure exposure where her sins or her guilt was, you know, was on display. Yeah. I mean, the the film just runs so deep on that; it it definitely demands second viewing. Yeah, I I and again, I haven't yet, but uh, I definitely am now. I mean, and here, just, here here's one more parallel. I'm I knew, there. I knew that I, and and I caught a bunch of things, but I knew it's like I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna have to watch it a second time because when I caught the few things that I caught, I'm like, there's definitely more. There's definitely more that oh, yeah. uh, that I haven't seen. That that I have to pick apart with a fine tooth comb. It's yeah, I mean, it, it is such a great film that you don't mind watching it a second time either. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. I'm gonna tell more... I'm gonna tell Mare that uh, like we need to watch this a, a second time because she loved it too. So this other um, parallel. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no 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 no. That's okay. I, I, I wasn't telling you to stop. I was my camera was unfocusing. Um, one other parallel I'm gonna throw at you, and this is a huge spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen the film. Do not listen to the next two minute, two or three minutes. When I write the synopsis for iTunes and the and our website, uh, like I did with Manchester by the Sea, the word spoiler <clears throat> is going to be the first word in the description. Yeah, because it, it, it's this is a film we don't want to ruin, uh, which is rare for us. Um, yeah. At the very beginning of the film, when she goes home, there's there's that part where as her the gates to her mansion are opening right. the reflection blinds her temporarily correct and she covers her face now parallel that to the final scene that in the book when the tony character based on edward finally actually kills the the person that raped and murdered his wife and daughter um the last thing that guy does is hit him in the head blinding him yes so she's blinded, and, and when she's blinded, that's Edward, like, follows her, basically. He's right behind her, and he's blinded as well at the end. So there's kind of a parallel there. Not 100% on it as far as where I want to go with that, but it is a parallel. Well, the, uh, there is a parallel. He's blinded, then, again, spoilers, eventually dies. And what I believe that signifies is that is the death of the weak Edward. Oh, definitely. You know, it just he's he is now dead. That that well, Edward does not no longer exist. It is only I, I, present I, I, day Edward now. <laughs> okay. Speaking of stupid theories, I got another one to throw at you. Okay. But uh, one thing I thought I was interesting the second time around is when he wakes up 
and he can't see, he reaches, he finds the gun first, right? Right. Yes. Then he uh, he finds the body, so then he knows that the, the guy's dead. Mm-hmm. Then he goes outside and falls. Right. Well, he keeps the gun. Right, there's yes. no re- there's no reason for him to have a gun anymore. Both of the guys are dead. This is correct. No reason. So for me, again, I don't know if it's intended or not, but the fact that he will not re- will drop the gun is that he has become one of these animals. And it, it, nocturnal animals, it, the, the being blind, uh, you could even say like he's now stuck into darkness. If yeah. you want to get metaphorical the, on that, there, there's another theory that I heard that I do not buy at all but i'll mention okay. it because we're talking this theories might, now this might be the one i was thinking of go for it well the fact the theory is that at the very end of the film yeah, when, explain the ending well the very end of the film she talks to edward and says listen we need to have dinner emails emails or texts or something email uh, is okay email we need to have dinner and he says of course you know we'll do that she goes to the restaurant she puts on the green dress very now very scantily clad it's like very, very briefly. Dressed to impress. Uh, very briefly. Green dress, right? Mm-hmm. And at the last minute, she wipes off the red lipstick. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. Which means she's rem- she removes the red, which means she, she decides that this is going to be... She's, she's exposing herself. She's exposing herself with the low-cut dress, which is still green, symbolizing her as a nocturnal animal, but she's removed the red lipstick, removing any threat of physical or emotional violence she is not going there to uh, for to attack or anything right she she's she is going there vulnerable she is completely vulnerable at this point i just just wanted to say that continue no it's it's that's very good um so essentially she gets stood up by edward and the scenes of of edward dying the the you slowly hear the heartbeat slowly 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 until it stops do we do we mention that like because because uh, he carries the gun out there while he's blind and he trips and falls and accidentally shoots himself? We, I don't know if we mentioned that. We did. That's why. Did we? No, we we didn't mention it. Okay, but, that's so that but explains. Now, but so. now we did. Now this happened. This doesn't happen simultaneously with the dinner sequence. Let's just make that clear. That's the end of the book she's reading. After right. she reads that is when she sets up the date. Correct. Because so, I, again, she I think. She, I don't think she gets that she realizes that that is the Edward that no longer exists. But again, at the very last scene, when she gets stood up and you see the patrons that are at the restaurant and then you see less of them and then less of them, then you realize she's been there a really long time uh, waiting until eventually you just get a close up on her eyes. Oh, and can I, can I, can I just, hold on. Can I just say too? Yeah. Restaurant, large restaurant, full wall of glass. Again, yep. <laughs> vulnerability, exposure, yep. inside. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And then you, she she realizes that she has been completely stood up. And then, like I said, I don't think she gets it till the end. that She, she realizes she's been completely stood up. And it's because he's not, he's not playing games anymore. He is not the Edward that she used to know. He is now the strong, not weak person. And it's basically uh, like it's like the ultimate fuck you uh, by just leaving her there alone, and then credit the credits roll, it goes right. to black. Um, but well, I know you're gonna say well, where was oh the theory the other yeah. theory, the other theory is that 
and I don't buy this, and I don't like it, and it's because he accidentally shoots himself. Uh, in, is, in the book. <clears throat> in the book. Right. Is that that, that parallels to present-day Edward committing suicide. I read that. I like, read that that's why well. he doesn't show up. Dumbest fucking theory I, I've ever read. I, I completely agree, and that's why I don't buy it. If, if IMDb still had a comment section, I'm sure that would have been in there. Of course it would have been. Oh, yeah, that's somebody trying to make... That's someone trying to put a period out of film that was ended with an ellipsis. Yes. Yes. That's all that is. It's, it's something, well, that's somebody saying, but I need a, I need a specific thing. So, no, you don't. <laughs> and now, you and I have had this discussion. There, there are good vague endings and there are bad vague endings. Lost in translation, bad vague ending. Yeah. <laughs> this good vague ending. Yeah. Even Inception uh, has that open end. Uh, that it's good per- vague ending. It's perceived by the viewer, you know? Right. Because there, there's actually... You can tell there's thought put into the ending. It's not just, well, let's just do that and make people think for themselves. No, no, that's not how, you, that's not how real film fucking works. Thank you. Um, yeah, th- th- there's debate on what it means at the end. Uh, I'm with you... Uh, I mean, I when, when you go back through the film, don't forget, she, uh, Edward is is accused of being weak by her mother. She defends him, saying he's not he's strong in ways you don't understand. He conti- in the flashbacks he tells her you're afraid of this. You think so? What he's kind of telling her is you're weak in ways you don't understand. Yeah, and what and that pretty much comes full circle. He has realized where his strength is, and at the same time, he exposes to her, her weakness is exposed. Yeah. No. Def- and and yeah. uh, the, the the big question is was is it a malicious act or did he punk out? Was he did he not show up because he was afraid, the weak Edward, or did he not show up out of spite, the strong Edward? That's basically the the two main theories that actually. Are a decent debatable, uh, right? Decent are decently debatable as is whether uh, whether or not and, he showed up on purpose or not. And I, 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 I perceived it was on purpose. It was not because he was afraid, but because it was a fuck you. I totally agree. That's what it, I it, perceive it as. The, the whole thing leads up to that. Absolutely. I mean, again, I mean even when she walks through the art gallery, and it's very blatantly they have that huge poster that just says revenge. Revenge. I mean, it's like it's so obvious to me that that is what's happening at the end of the film. You know, it's not a revenge flick per se, but it very subtly is. Which leads me to my only complaint about the film, which is the the killer's face appearing on the baby cam on the phone. Oh, you know, I I remember watching what that the, and, and not liking that either. It, it was just it was one of those. Scare. It was one of those cheap scare moments that the film is so well done. It was almost like, what are you doing? It, 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 it's, it's the film is so above that. It really was, and I'm glad it's only yeah. an instant. Um, oh. it's probably the reason why I I could give this film a ten. You, I, you know what? I can't because of that. I, and I would say. It, I I would easily be talked out of a ten and into a nine because of that scene. You know, and it, it's even worse because 
if they had done other things like that, like if she had like heard noises in the house or, you know, oh, what was that in the bathtub? You know, whatever. You know, if she looked at her couch, she thought she saw bodies there. If they had progressed on that where she was actually having, you know, physical, visual hallucinations, uh, at least it would have had context and it would have been a progression. It's just at once one time. Yeah, it's, it that's is. the only time that the book reality bleeds into the real reality and it just doesn't work. It doesn't it, make sense. It, it almost nice... it almost felt like that's a scene that they did and but the director said, you know what, I kinda like this. I want to keep it in. But because the rest of the film isn't like that at all, it's almost like one of those scenes that they film and then kept in at the last minute where it's like this it normally would have probably been cut, but the director might have been, you know, I kind of like this. I'm going to leave it. It just felt like it didn't belong. This is this is a book. I need to read the book because I need to know what is what what is what is unique to the film and what is adapted from the book. And I need to know if that goddamn scene is in there. <laughs> if it's in it, there. Then I guess we could be a little more forgiving of it, but if it's not, no, even less so, even less so, because then then you're like, well, we have to lose this. It doesn't fucking work in in the film. No, <laughs> only part of the film that I was like, nah. No, I yeah. I'm I'm in complete agreement with that. Absolutely. Uh, um, but I, we might have ex- exhausted ourselves on this. Like, I think I, so. I, I, I can't think of anything else I might have overlooked. I mean, I probably, but we probably both have because again, there's so much in this film. So much. So much going on. And Even if we we could spend the next half hour just just examining specific lines of dialogue and how they, how what they mean in the film. Oh yeah. Uh, both at the moment and then like compared to different parts of the film. Absolutely. You know, every everything up to and including the end with a nobody gets away with what you did. Nobody. <laughs> so who is he talking to? You know. Well, you know he's talking to her. Yeah, uh, I'm saying, well, I don't know that, but that, well, that's that's something you can read into that. Absolutely. I mean, and that, you know, even, uh, I, I, I can't do any more. I can't do any more. It will be another hour. But this <laughs> is a great film. It should have been up, like you always said, and this is a smart film. Very. This is, I, I, I would put this, I mean, I would, as far as films that we've reviewed in the past, this goes up there with Nightcrawler. Which is ironic because Gyllenhaal was in that as well. Yeah. Oh, you want to hear another irony? And also is ironic that last year that was that was probably my favorite film from twenty fifteen. Didn't get anything that, but a best adapted nomination. That was one of the best movies that year, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It, we reviewed it at the before we reviewed all the Oscars uh, films. And then this year, this is my favorite film from twenty sixteen, and we were, this is the very last thing that we did after the Oscars. So there's mm-hmm. a couple of ironies uh, just uh, just about scheduling and whatnot. Here, here's a quick synchronicity for you. Right. I um, After I watched this film, I watched uh, Absence of Malice because I had never seen it before with Sally Fields and... Um, the Jeremy Irons? No. No. Not Jeremy Irons. What are you thinking of with Jeremy Irons? Uh, yeah, no, Paul Newman. Th- yeah, what the Paul hell was I thinking? Yeah, uh, but... Uh, in Nocturnal Animals, she aborts Gyllenhaal's uh, child, mm-hmm. and she's a, and she's like, I'm Catholic. I should, you know, it's and and that Catholic guilt hangs on her. And there's a couple scenes that kind of uh, reflect that that I'm not going to get into because we're done talking about that. Right. But I'm watching uh, Absence of Malice. What happens halfway through? Uh, 
Paul Newman's character needs an alibi because the newspaper is like implicating him in some murder that he didn't do, and his girlfriend comes forward uh, because she, uh, he was helping – not his girlfriend, his friend. It wasn't his girlfriend, uh, an old childhood friend of his, but he took her to get an abortion, and she's a strict Catholic, so when it came out in the paper, she kills herself. Oh. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, uh, so I've never, I was, I was like, I've wow, never seen okay, that film so. either. <laughs> the name of the the name of the game this week is Catholics aborting their children. Whoa, <laughs> it's craziness. It's so right wing. <laughs> what? No. Huh? How's that right wing? No, no, no. It's just like the guilt. It's like you wouldn't do that if you were that right wing. You would keep the kid and be miserable. Well, we're, we're talking we're talking religion, not politics. Yeah, that's true. Well, unfortunately, and, and, the and right wing. And we're talking about does we're both. talking bad Catholics because they had abortions. Yes. <laughs> so, bad Catholic. Bad Catholics. Um, bad Catholics. Um, so we want to rate this film. Absolutely. I I I, I can't give it a ten because of the, nope. the the scary face on the on the phone. But I I don't I wouldn't accept anything less than a nine though. Me neither, sir. Perfect. Me neither. Perfect. Nine it is. And uh, IMDb demographics are pretty solid. Uh, highest demographic is... Well, oh, yeah. what is its current rating on IMDb? I bet it's too low. Oh, it's definitely too low. 7.6. That is too low. Um, way too low. It is way too low, although I'm happy that it's above a 7. Yeah, definitely. Um Highest demographic is uh, males and females under 18. They give it 8.3. Okay. And then it's a steady decline <laughs> to the lowest demographic, which is males and females over 45, which gave it 7.2 average. Goddamn Trump voters. Older people just didn't get it. <laughs> and the younger people, I think, may have gotten it too much. <laughs> well, yeah. And eight IMDb staffers gave it an average of eight. Well, at least they did that. Oh, oh! Top one thousand voters at IMDb, six point eight. Fuck you guys. Oh, fuck that! What the fuck? Yeah. Ah, uh, that's not cool at all. Not not cool at all. Top one thousand voters. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, it's definitely a must see. Oh, absolutely! If you haven't now, seen it, make sure you see it. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast and you haven't up. seen it, we warned you. Right <laughs> now, we 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 have to we have other stuff we have to wrap up on this episode, right? Yeah, we uh, we are taking listener requests again. Yes, we are. So I actually have an uh, an email, a voicemail, and um, four movie requests already. So I'll go ahead and read the email. This is from Steve. Steve uh, is from the United Kingdom, so we're we're out there, ah, which is which is so cool. I love, I love the I fact like that it's uh, he's from the United Kingdom. That uh, it's not just North America. <laughs> Now you have to read it in the accent. I can't. <laughs> I, I, I will not insult Steve that way. Um, okay, so he says, Dear Scott and Joey, Having recently discovered the Movie Sucktastic podcast, thank you, by the way, and has become a firm favorite, I have had a lot of laughs listening to you guys over the past few weeks, and maybe I'll watch more crap movies that I haven't seen on your show list. So yes, thank sure. you for the show, and uh, long may it continue. I'd like to suggest an idea for a show which is to review two excellent documentaries. One, uh, The Death of Superman Lives, and two, uh, Jodorowsky's Dune. I know technically they are not movies, but I thought that they would make entertaining subjects for the podcast. You could do both in one episode or an episode uh, for each 
or uh, or an episode each if you have enough material. We always have enough material. Uh, kind regards, Steve from the United <laughs> Kingdom. Thank you, Steve. Uh, uh, I would have no problem reviewing either one of these, uh, specifically Jodorowsky's Dune, and because of the fact that uh, the director of Arrival is du- directing the... Uh, he's doing um, his own version of Dune, which is supposed to come out next year, or the year after. Oh, good. So, it, you know, that director, Denis Villeneuve, or whatever his name is, he, he's kind of carve this niche uh for niche. what niche for what he's good at and uh i'd be very interested to see his take on dune and if he kind of incorporates stuff from jodorowsky's dune um which i think you're definitely going to see it's not probably going to be you know a carbon copy or uh exactly the same but i guarantee you you're going to see some definite influences from the jodorowsky's dune that the uh, this documentary is based on. So, uh, I'm interested because I am a fan of Dune. I've always liked the books, and I like the David Lynch film, especially the the, the four hour, three and a half hour cut that we did review. Um, so yes, Steve, I uh, I believe that we will do the Death of Superman Lives and Jodorowsky's Dune. We'll just have to figure out a schedule. Yeah, and I, I do think we'd probably have to do both of them in the same fil- show, possibly, because I'm, I'm not sure how much mileage we can get out of, out of reviewing a documentary. No, I think we'll do both uh, in the one episode. I think you're right. Yeah, well, uh, but I definitely want to do it. I, I myself have already seen Jodorowsky's Dune, same and I've here. seen half of The Death of Superman Lives. I have not seen that documentary yet, but I have seen Jodorowsky's Dune, which I've actually been meaning to re-watch, so this will give me an excuse to oh. do that. I don't know if I can do that, but well, it's uh, only two hours. Maybe in the background. No, it's just so much. There's it, oh, that's it's just a it's an overload of information. It's it's, it's such a yeah. great document. Well, if we're gonna talk about it, I definitely want to get it fresh in my head so that uh, the review lasts longer than ten minutes. I'll, I'll play I'll play it in the background while I'm doing something else, and I'll, I'll like I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't sink down that rabbit hole again. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think we're definitely gonna do those um, in the next few weeks. Yep. Uh, the other film requests are uh, from two YouTubers, um, one being Sammy J. Who the ones just, that aren't fucking douchebags yeah, that, that can ex- suck my balls. Expect us to upload films for their viewing pleasure. It's like, who the fuck do you think we are? I mean, I know YouTube thinks that we do that, which I have to fight every time we upload anything. Um, fuck. But uh, Sammy J, he says, uh, have we reviewed Cool World yet? And I replied back to him, and I said, no, we haven't, but we'll definitely put it on the schedule. Now, that's a film that repeatedly gets mentioned on the show. It comes up. It does. And, and it, always, it always causes a shudder. <laughs> Hollywood, if she could. Um, oh, no. oh, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so, he, so I went back and forth with him today a little bit, and uh, he asked if we have reviewed it, and I said we haven't. And then he asked us if we've ever heard of Ralph Bakshi. I said, of course, you know, yeah, we've, mentioned, we've, we've mentioned Fire and Ice and, and whatnot. And, and uh, he said he just discovered the show and that uh, he would like it if we did Cool World. So I, I'm putting that on the schedule as well. I'm then, not a Bakshi fan, so that'll be an interesting part of the show. Uh, and I do love me some Fire and Ice, but that's kind of, even uh-huh. though I have all of Bakshi's films on my uh, Plex server... Um, Fire and Ice is kind of that. That's my favorite thing he ever did, ever. 
Um, well, I love Frank Frazetta. You know, I've always sure. always loved Frazetta, and mm-hmm. uh, that's just that's my my thing on it. And then um, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but uh, Ekic or Ekok, Ekchach or whatever, San Carlos from from YouTube. It's always funny the the YouTuber name sometimes. He ha- has asked if we would. Uh, review a film called Death Machines, which is a uh, kung fu karate, uh, you know, uh, type film, and uh, I've already put that in my collection. I absolutely want to review Death Machines. Uh, in, in oh, by the way, yeah, very briefly, and we'll mention when we when we, uh, when, we when we review that if we do. Uh, I'm leaning towards it. Best po- movie poster ever. Oh my God! Yes. Back when they fucking—that's when they knew how to make movie posters. The film, uh, the the film opens up with this animation of this like pillar, this this, this wall, and it opens up, and it's it's got these teeth, and it says "Death Machines," and then it closes back up, and I'm like, that is probably has nothing to do with the film, but they no. took the time to animate the 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 opening of this pillar that said "Death Machines." Is that and a I, '70s film? 76 i believe or 77 the big thing about the 70s worst trailers ever best movie posters ever posters were amazing in the 70s and the trailers fucking horrible the worst trailers ever i mean even take the star wars trailer ain't even good movies not horrible trailer not a good trailer and you know that film is as much as i shit on lucas you know, it paved the way for films today, so... Yeah, whatever. Um, it did. Yeah. At, at least for that genre. But the Star Wars genre? Sci-fi. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to debate. <laughs> I, had, I had a co-worker the other day... I am not going to debate actually. you! <laughs> no. <laughs> a co-worker today said, I love me a good sci-fi. I told him there's no such thing. <laughs> it's like, shut up. Yeah, sci-fi. It's you know what? If you like bad movies, then sci-fi is the place to be. You can like them, doesn't make them good. That's right. That that is the truth. You know, the funny thing is, I'm going through my Plex and and like I'm trying to delete certain things, and I have the first Highlander. I have great. I have the first two. I have now. Me too. Now there's two other Highlander sequels after that. I don't. And I refuse to put them on my Plex. I I do not have those. And although (laughs) I think uh, uh, Bronson Pinchot, no, um, Christopher Lambert, I believe he's in the third one and the fourth one briefly. Well, he he dies in the fourth one. He does die in the fourth one. It's Endgame. Did they make a fifth one? No. Or is it? am Am I thinking of the fifth one? I don't know because they did a TV show and then they had the guy from the TV show in the movie. I believe it was the Endgame movie. Right, that's the last one. That's where the TV show guy kills the movie guy. <laughs> like, oh, you... spoiler! <laughs> like anybody's fucking seen it. Yeah, it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Christopher Lambert. Oh, it's like, how does it get but, uh, to the point where you kill off Christopher Lambert? It's like he's not a bad but, guy. Well, uh, but I because I, I I just love how I was thinking. I just my, my rationale was all right. The first one was great. Second one was horrible, so I have to keep it. Third one, well, that's horrible too. But no. And you remember they came out with the the director's cut, which is the DVD version was called the Renegade Cut. Yeah, uh, yeah where that, it was like, yeah. oh, we're fixing everything. This is going to be much better, and it wasn't. <laughs> but 
it was like 20 minutes longer and it was like this is oddly worse somehow <laughs> well the, the one thing it did the one thing it did fix is that in 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 the the cut the theatrical release of highlander 2 yeah. it kind of they say that uh you know, at the end of Highlander 1, he gets together with a girl, so, oh, we're going to have a child and live forever. <laughs> the, in the beginning of the theatricals, like, yeah, she died the next day. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, they just killed her. They couldn't even wait to kill her off. Now, in the in the Renegade cut of the second one, uh, she actually, they actually, like, you know, had a family or whatever, or, like, they tried to have kids but couldn't. But, like, she didn't right. die. I think yeah, she died, like, because of the sun thing. They show her as an old lady sure. or something. It's probably because... She- they were like, yeah, we're just not going to put yeah. her back in the movie. Kind of like uh, what's her uh, face, it, Elizabeth Shue from Karate yeah. Kid, where she's not even in the second one. They're just like, yeah, she's not even his girlfriend anymore. I, I, but I just found it hilarious <coughs> that okay, we cut the scene that we explain how she died, so we have to do it in a crawl at the beginning, and then it's like, bad. Let's just let's just kill her off like a week after. <laughs> Fuck it. It's it just it, it, that was like your first line that the film was going to suck. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. And I had high hopes for the, the second film, oh, too. I th- we all did. I didn't see it in a theater, though. Um, when did that come out? 90? Oh, Chris Wolner. Uh, Chris Wolner used to sit next to me in my geometry class. And I remember I was sitting there. He's like, I saw Highlander 2 last night. He says, really? Yeah, sucked. <laughs> Physically angry. That was horrible. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think that was... If you did, if you didn't react to that, you probably weren't within our circle of friends. He he was the one that introduced me to the first film. Really, oh, really. So yeah, you know Gerard's father is in the first film. Uh yes, I in, do. In know the that. opening yeah, credits, yeah. handsome Don. <laughs> From what I understand, we, we, he still owns the jacket. Can't get rid of that jacket. You were in Highlander <laughs> with that jacket. Um. Do we, and we have a voicemail? We do have a voicemail. We have a okay, voicemail have from, from Gino. Um, let's see. Gino! Gino! Hold on. Hey, 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 What's going on, guys? It's uh, Gino Cuddy calling. How are you? Uh, it's been a while since we've talked. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, hopefully we can meet up this month like, we, like we've been planning on. Um... Uh, <laughs> I've uh, I've been quite busy. I've been uh, contributing my and giving my time to several podcasts, not the least of which my own. Um, by the way, uh, thank God you two finally put back up my Black Hole and my Godzilla's Revenge episode. Um, also, uh, recently lent my uh, voice to a podcast uh, talking about the Wheeler and Woolsey pre-code classic, Hips, Hips, Hooray, which is a film I highly recommend if you're a fan of the Marsh Brothers or... Uh, early 30s comedies in general. Um, I'm going to be reviewing on my next show the legendary 1974 uh, Grindhouse X-rated exploitation animated film uh, Down and Dirty Duck. I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to meeting you guys. Um, I'm also a sneak preview going to be joining a podcast network uh, hosted by my friend David Lawler of uh, the Misadventures in Blissville uh, podcast. So I recommend everybody going to check in out Blissville. It's a great show. Uh, to talk about everything from Doctor Who to slot culture. Very, very good stuff there. Um, slot culture? I'm also going to be starting my own Maybe. another podcast slot? called Cuddy's World, uh, which will just be a general discussion show. Um, 
But anyway, I'm running a little long here. Um, I just want to plug. Uh, if you want to check me out, go to facebook.com slash official Gino Cuddy. That is G-E-N-O-C-U-D-D-Y. There you go. And my Twitter, which is official Gino C. And uh, I hope you guys are having a great night. Um, movies are fantastic. I feel is still the best cult film podcast in the world. I'm quite honored to make the intro <laughs> for you, you guys. Hopefully you guys are still finding some way to use it. Um, just watched it again last night. I think it did a, a great job on it. I don't think it's on myself. Yes. Um, I keep forgetting you we guys have are it. great. Keep on doing the great work that you're doing. Scott, you're a wonderful guy. Um, no. <laughs> Joey's a wonderful dad. No. Both oh, are yeah. smart individuals, and <laughs> I'm honored to know the both of you. Thank you so much, and have yourselves a great night. Well, Hopefully we can meet up. All right? Well, there Thanks, you go. Gino. Thank Good you, to hear Gino. back from Gino and to hear all the stuff he's working on these days. Check out, check out all that stuff. Check out his YouTube podcast. Definitely, uh, gotta love his opening. And um, uh, we and 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 as always, uh, the real world keeps throwing monkey wrenches at shit. So I, I we're 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 trying to get. We were gonna do uh, a meetup with Gino, and believe me, we'll get pictures. Uh, yeah, to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> to prove it. To prove it. Um, we were trying. We were aiming for the week- weekend of the twenty fourth, but that may have fallen through due to car issues I'm having with every single car in the household. Yeah. Uh, but so it might bleed into April. But we're working on it. We're definitely working. We're on working it. on it, and we're definitely going to do it. So don't worry. It's going to be sooner than later. Yes. But not that soon. But definitely. No, not no, later. no, no. It's it, it'll be before the summer, but after March. Right. I think that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, because yeah, I'll go with that. as soon as it bleeds into the summer, I got vacations, and then uh, I got other things on tap that's going to keep me sidelined or doing other things for a month or so. So it's uh, just, and then school starts up again. It just, believe me, it has to happen after March, but before summer. Yep, if, it, it if will. it's going to happen, it's got to happen in that time frame. Right. So, um, if you listen to the show and uh, it's it's not like in, and you're still within the March April time period, uh, 2017. Yep. Hit our Facebook page and let us know what movies you want us to review because we're taking we're taking listener uh, requests for at least four episodes. And if we get a lot of good feedback, we'll do more. But you know, oh, tell yeah. us what you want us to review. I'm gonna post that on Movie Sucktastic today, and I'm gonna share mm-hmm. it. Uh, you do the same thing, obviously. Yes, sir. And then I'm just going to have everyone just, instead of doing a poll, which... They don't fucking work. Is essentially like just clickbait garbage for Facebook. Yeah. It's terrible. I'm just going to have everyone just comment within that post. We'll pin the post at the top of the page. Yeah, we'll pin it at the top and we'll just say, put your movie request here, um, and that'll be it. And I'm sure we'll get... You know, ten or fifteen requests, and then we'll cherry pick them. Definitely, I, th- I think that'll be good. So, yes. I think we should go ahead and end this one. Yeah, we ran a little long. We ran a little long, but it was worth it. Definitely Talking about nocturnal animals. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, as always, thank you. Uh, this is episode two hundred and thirty-nine of Movie Sucktastic. Uh, go to our website at moviesucktastic.com. When livestream fucking works, join us every Thursday at 8 o'clock uh, or 8.25. Finally gets its shit together, which it hasn't fixed yet, by the way. Um, 
and join us live. Uh, I'll be absolutely figuring out something else that will allow us to do this shit live uh, in the coming days or weeks. Uh, go to our iTunes uh, and you can listen to the show there as well. If you go there, leave us a review. We always appreciate it. Uh, leave a comment. And if you do, we, uh, we'd be greatly appreciative of that as well. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Everything that we talk about from the show to trailers to upcoming news and when we go live is there. We highly recommend you subscribe. Uh, and I always forget, you know, because fuck YouTube. We do have a YouTube page where we do have some of our video reviews. Uh, you can actually watch the video review on YouTube for the ones that I've actually taken the time to uh, fucking debate YouTube on. Um, and you could download, or you can leave us email at themovieguys at moviesucktastic.com. You can leave us voicemail at 908-514-4470. You can go to our Tumblr page at moviesucktastic.tumblr.com. And you can download the free Android app for your phone, tablet, or whatever Android device you're using. It's 100% free, and everything I mentioned is in that, in one nice, tidy little package. Uh, highly recommend uh, getting grabbing that uh, because you know Scott paid for another year so you know may as well right and uh, that about does it you have any words of wisdom Mr. Wilson yes we all got? eventually turn into our mothers <laughs> yeah I can't deny that <laughs> all right everyone we'll talk to you next week leave it yes that didn't go yeah sh- goodbye yes bye bye can't do that tongue thing. Roll your tongue. Hello, Senor. Senor Wilson. There is something wrong with your bowels. Would you say I have a plethora? The, the little the, the ships in the fields. I can't do this. It just I can't fade out of this. It just it's just I can't fucking do it. It does not God. work. Because of live stream? No, because I'm using a tablet soundboard and there's no fade out feature. I'd have to do oh. it manually with my thumb. So, we're, it's working now. That's dirty. It, it's just, it's just not worth the aggravation. <laughs> fucking, we're done. We're done. Okay. Yes, we're fucking done. God damn it. Okay. <laughs>